Parshas Vayeshev, Tolerating Insult. Many years ago, I was walking up the stairs from the subway, and a woman was passing in the other direction. As she came closer to me, she mumbled something about Jews with beards being the worst type of thieves. And then she looked at me and spat directly into my face. Now, I didn't let her get away with it. I said, you have to come upstairs with me to the street, or something will happen to you and I'm going to have you arrested. And I said it not so quietly, like I'm saying it to you now. There were people standing around. They wanted to defend her, but they saw the look on my face. I meant business. She tried to beg off. I'm sorry, it was a mistake. Nothing doing, I said. I made her climb the stairs all the way to the top of the street level, and I stood outside with her, looking for a policeman, waiting for a police car to drive by, or for an officer on his beat to walk by. But you know how it is in New York. You look and you look and you wait. If you need them, they can't be found. So finally I told her to go home. What could I do? I had to get to the yeshiva. But I would have pressed charges. If she hadn't come upstairs with me, she would have had something to remember. I wouldn't let her get away with it. She spat in my face. Now I'm telling you this little anecdote in order to draw a contrast. That was me, a plain man. But let me tell you about a certain Sadik, how he reacted to a situation. When Yosef Asadik was in the house of Potiphar, you remember how his master's wife cast her eyes on him and tried to tempt him. And finally, she was so desperate, she started tugging at his garments. So he left his garment in her hand and he ran away. She was so angry, so scorned by him that she decided to ruin him. And so she went out into the street and began shouting to everyone that Yosef had attempted to violate her. The Medrus describes what happened next. Potiphar rushed home from work, and when she told him the story, all the made-up details about what this wicked Ivri had tried to do, he became full of rage. He seized Yosef and began pummeling him. And after a good beating, he grabbed Yosef by the ear, and she grabbed him by the other ear, and they dragged him to the police station to come before the judges to be sentenced. Now, as they were dragging him through the streets, they were calling out to the passerbys, look how this Jew boy pays us back for what we did to him. We took him into our house. We even gave him authority. And this is how he repays us. And as more people gathered, men, women, and children, they were all shouting calumnies against Yosef, slandering him. What do you expect from a dirty Jew? That's what you get from bringing a Hebrew into your home, they said. And they were spitting at him and insulting him as he was being dragged through the streets. Now the whole thing was plain wickedness. A frame-up. It was just the opposite. She was the guilty one. Yosef had no intention of doing anything wrong at all. He was trying to remain virtuous. And here he's being blamed and insulted as if he was the guilty party. So how did Yosef defend his good name? What was he yelling back as they insulted him with lies? Nothing. He kept his mouth shut. And didn't say a word. Like they say, grin and bear it. That was Yosef. I don't know if he grinned. The Medrash doesn't tell us one way or the other. But he bore it. What does the scripture say about this incident? In Tehillim, it's described as follows. Imrat Hashem Serafatihu. The command of Hashem refined him. Which means that when a man goes through such an experience at the hands of Hashem and he is quiet, he is thereby refined and purified. When you are insulted for nothing and you keep quiet, you are making progress in your perfection. Yosef didn't say, it's her fault. She's an immoral woman. He didn't say anything. 
He didn't accuse her. He just kept quiet. And as each epithet was hurled at him, each time Yosef became more and more refined because he understood that it was the Imrat Hashem, that it was according to the command of Hashem that these words were being hurled at him. So he was quiet. And just because of that, he was refined. Not only it refined him, I'm inclined to say that this is one of the more important episodes that made Yosef great. We know of many things in his life, in the life of Yosef, that catapulted him to greatness in the eyes of Hashem. But I imagine that this one episode, keeping quiet in the face of insults and of criticism, is one of the more important ones that made him deserving of greatness. Yosef could never have become later the ruler of all of Egypt if he hadn't passed through this test of fire. Imrat Hashem Sirafatuhu. It purified him. It was an opportunity for perfection of character that was given to him as a gift. And because he made use of that opportunity, that's why he became who he became. Now, I'm not saying that you must always keep your mouth closed. If you're decent and you're being unjustly accused, of course you have the right to defend yourself. It's even a mitzvah if they're saying falsehoods about you to clear your name. But suppose it's not a matter where you can clear your name. They're ridiculing you anyhow. No matter what you'll say, it's not going to change. You'll invite even more. It could be. Maybe sometimes you have to stand up for yourself. Probably not, but it could be. It needs wisdom and discernment. But whatever it is, it's a perfection, a purification of your character when you learn to tolerate insults. That's why I'm still me, while Yosef became Yosef Atzadik, because he knew how to purify himself. Now, with this principle in mind, that remaining silent in the face of insults can make a person great, we'll go ahead and understand the following story. We are told in a medrash that David Amelech aspired to become great. It's good to be ambitious in Ruchnius, by the way. Although we should be humble, but when it comes to spiritual things, to matters of personality and character and achievement, everybody should aspire to become great. Not merely to be good, but to excel. The Rambam says in Hilchus Tshuva, an even more surprising thing, he says everyone can become a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. You can't become a Navi like Moshe Rabbeinu. That won't happen. In our days, nobody will become even a small Navi. But you can aspire to be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. That's a statement of the Rambam that we should always think about. These words should be engraved someplace in a public place. And everybody should look at these words and study them. You can become a great tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. Not only a man, a woman too. Even a girl can aspire to be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. Now David HaMelech understood this principle and he yearned for greatness when David opened up the Torah and he read about Avraham, how this great man earned a place in history, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu said about him in Breshis, Ki yedativ, love this man and my mind is on him, about Avraham being chosen from all others. And not only was he chosen, but he's mentioned in our prayers. Forever and ever we say, Elokei Avraham in our davening. And we conclude, Magen Avraham, the shield of Avraham. And so David began to think, maybe I could aspire to such a thing. I could also become great. Why shouldn't I? I have a neshama too. Why can't I be like Avraham? Now you have to know that David was only 700 years after Avraham. And so it wasn't such a remarkable thing for a man to aspire to, to become something like Avraham Avinu. He began to think, how can I do that? 
In what way is it possible for me to achieve this greatness? That's what the Gemara tells us. This happened when he was young. And he was thinking, maybe I can mold myself in such a way that I could become a second Avraham Avinu. And therefore, if you want to know something about David and his whole career, now you know a key to the biography of this great man. Already when he was a little shepherd boy, he thought about this. And later in life, when he became a melech, he thought about it too. That was his desire always. How can I become like Avraham Avinu? Actually, it's an obligation on all of us. Chayav Adam lomar Every Jew should say, when will my deeds reach the level of the deeds of our fathers? It's easy to say that Ma'amar, but David lived that kind of life. Now we are told in the Medrash that HaKadosh Baruch Hu responded to David's yearning. He said to David, he gave him information in some way and let him know that although it's a very worthy aspiration, but he's not going to make it. It's not going to happen. Now why he told it to him, that needs to be explained. But David was given this information that he won't make it. These men, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, were unequaled. That's what he was told. And when this information came to David, he was downcast. He was crestfallen. It was to him a very big discouragement because that was his dream. It was a big part of his life work, his lifelong aspiration. But that was the Pesach he received. To be on the level of the Avos, Hashem said, is too big of an achievement for you. It's beyond your reach. The Merkava, the chariot of Hashem, is supported by the three of us. And even with all of your greatness and achievements and perfection, that's too much for you. Other things you can achieve. You will achieve. But that perfection of the mind and character that the others achieved, it's not going to be. Now that was supposed to be the end of the story. David's aspirations would be a fuel that would lead him to great things. He would become David Amelech, and he would write the Sefer Tehillim and wage wars on behalf of his people and thousands of other accomplishments that he would make. But to become so great that he would be like the others, no, it can't be. Now, we're going to study a little episode in David's life that came much later. There came a time when David was visited by a period of vicissitude, a bitter experience, and that was a revolt that rose against him under the leadership of one of his best friends, Achitophel, and his son Avshalom. Achitophel was actually revered by David. When they would ask Achitophel for advice, it was with exactly the same confidence as if Hashem had spoken to them. Shmuel Bet. His counsel in those days was so revered as if you went and consulted the Urim Vitumim. That's the statement that's made by the Nevi'im. He was a living Urim Vitumim. Actually, before they did anything, before they set out on any campaign against the enemy, so they asked the advice of Achisoifel. And then they consulted the Urim Vitumim, and it always turned out to be the same advice. If Achitofel said no, they didn't bother asking the Urim Vitumim, and so David revered Achitofel. He was to him a valuable confidant and close friend. David had also a son, Avshalom. Avshalom, you have to know, was a big tzaddik. Ubnei David Kohanim Hayu. David's sons were Kohanim. Kohanim doesn't mean that they were makriv korbonos. It means that they were talmidei chachomim and they used to pass in shilas to the people like Kohanim. Yoru mishpatecha. They were all talmidei chachamim who taught Hashem's Torah to the nation. 
Shlomo was a very big Talmud Chacham. Kilav ben David too. He was a perfect tzaddik without a blemish. They all were Talmidei Chachamim. But Avshalom was the star among them. Not only was he a big Talmud Chacham, but he was a Nazir. In those days, people admired Nazirim. A Nazir was a man who dedicated himself to Hashem. No wine. Never. All his life, he wouldn't touch wine. Not only that, he kept away from dead bodies. He wouldn't enter a house where there was a mace or go in a cemetery. To him, life was to be only tahara, purity of body and purity of mind. And not only that, but he had a long flowing hair. He was a beautiful man to look at. He had the hair of the Nazarite, and everybody who looked at him was full of yiras covered for Avshalom. They saw not only a Nazir, but a beautiful Nazir. It was the Shechina that rested on him. That's what people said about him. And because he was the son of the Melech, he didn't go alone in the street. Wherever he went, he had footmen running ahead of him. It was a spectacle to see this Sadiq appear in public. Suddenly, something extraordinary occurred. These two great men, Achi Soifel and Avshalom, got together in collusion and they made a revolt against David. And it was a success revolt. The people came to their side and they overthrew David. And now, David had to pick up his feet and flee to save his life. David, who had been the hero of the Jewish people, at one time, everybody sang songs about him. It says in Tanakh that the people sang songs about David. Now, he was a fallen hero. Because not only did they make revolution against him, but they put him into cherem. They declared that David was a sinner. There were reasons why you could say that about David because the people were convinced that they were right. The time had come to get rid of this man. You know, people. Even though they're enthusiastic for a man up to a certain time, but when others arise and speak against him with authority, you can win the people over and they become enemies of this man. And so David fled to save his life. Imagine now that terrible situation. Here is this king who gave his whole life for his people. He gave them everything. He conquered their enemies and won the land for them. He was once their darling and he deserved it. And now he's fleeing to save his life. And so David was walking with his small band of loyal people. He left the city and he was weeping and saying, Vidoy, confessing to HaKadosh Baruch He said, I deserve all this. But his heart was heavy. Everything was crumbling before him. And as they fled from Yerushalayim, they entered the territory of the land of Binyamin. And they came to the town of Bahurim, a town in Binyamin. And a man came out of Bahurim, a dignified man. David had known this man in better days, a big Talmud Chacham. This man had always behaved towards David like you do towards a great monarch, with the fullest respect. Now when David saw this man coming towards him with his company, David was thinking, he's coming probably to commiserate to offer me sympathy. Maybe he'll offer me refreshments too, so that I can regain my strength and my good mood. What did this man do? This man was carrying in his hand a pile of dirt and stones, and he heaved it upon the head of David HaMelech. And he said, Get out of here, you bloody fellow. You deserve what you're getting. Get moving. Don't stop here in our town. Immediately, David's loyal guards drew his sword and said, This man deserves to be executed. A man who raises his hand against the king has to be put to death. And he drew his sword to do the act. But David quickly said, Don't touch him. Hashem amarlo kelel. Hashem told him to curse me. 
let him be. We'll ignore him and move on. And they moved on. The man threw dirt and dirty words on David. And David ignored him. Now that's the end of the story in Tanakh. The end of the story down below. But actually, it's the beginning of a great new story. Only that the new story was not written in the Tanakh. It's written in the Medrash. Our sages tell us what happened up above at that moment. Be'oto Sha'ah. At that moment, at that time, when that happened, Zachah David, David became worthy in the eyes of Hashem. Liot Haravi Liragli Hamar And he became the fourth one in the chariot of Hashem. After Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, David was now put in the next place. Now, it's very difficult for us to say that. Where is Moshe Rabbeinu? And even Yoshua, where is he? So many great people. But Hashem skipped over everybody and he said, You are the fourth one in the Merkava. Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And the fourth one is David. If you can have the fortitude of mind, said HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that constant awareness of me, that even at such a time, when you are so embittered at the loss of your power, when a son has made a revolt against you, and your heart is bitter, and now somebody comes along and throws dirt on you and curses you, and according to the law, his head should be taken off. And you say, no, Hashem told him to curse me. If that's the case, my child David, I'm going to elevate you. Now, when exactly David discovered this, I can't tell you. Maybe it was only in the next world that he realized what had actually occurred on that desolate road outside the town of Bacharim. I don't know. But whenever he discovered it, he looked back and knew why it all had happened. That insult, the dirt that was thrown at his head. It was a glorious opportunity that Hashem gave him. It was a gift. That's why his son rebelled against him. And that's why they tried to take his life. That's why he had to flee. And that's why they threw dirt on him and cursed him. All for the purpose that he should pass the test and become what he always wished for. To become exceptionally great in the eyes of Hashem. Now we have to question this because the way we see it, David had many achievements that made him great. If you would ask us, David made many other achievements, bigger achievements for which he deserved to be chosen. When David made his Tehillim, every one of the Mizmorim was such an achievement of purity of heart, of Av as Hashem, of devotion to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and deep intellect. Each one is a masterpiece, which for that alone David deserved to be chosen. And how much more for the entire Sefer Tehillim? That compilation, a masterpiece of Ruach HaKodesh that came out of his pure heart, is unequaled in the world history. It's unequaled even among our noble history. Ni'im Zemirot Yisroel, David was called the sweet singer of Yisroel because his songs were composed with a pure heart that loved HaKadosh Baruch Hu with everything that he had. Wasn't that enough to make David chosen? That from then on and forever and ever the Jewish people would continue to sing the songs of David. That Shiri David Avdecha, the songs of David, your servant, that's how we sing to Hashem even today. To this day, we are repeating his words forever. Isn't that enough to ensconce David in a throne of glory near HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Or shall we look at the fact that David conquered all of Eretz Yisrael? After so many years, beginning with Yoshua, enemies were allowed to remain in the land, and they did a great deal of harm. They persecuted our people, and they corrupted with their bad example until David came along and finally conquered Eretz Yisrael, so that it should be a pure land where we could best serve Hashem. 
David even conquered all the enemies outside of Eretz Yisrael, and from now on they kept quiet. In the 40 years that followed, we didn't hear a word from them. All they did was send tribute to Yerushalayim. Is that a small achievement? And that's only the beginning. There's a long list of accomplishments that David HaMelech achieved. And yet, according to our sages, for none of these things did David merit to become a reveal Merkava. Instead, it was just one incident, a small episode. It just happened incidentally that as he was fleeing for his life, he passed through a town and somebody insulted him. Just at that moment, something happened that topped all of David's achievements and made him the greatest. It was at that time the decree went out to the base Din Shel Ma'ala that although you can't change Magen Avraham, that's his place, but there's going to be a place for Magen David too. In the brachas that the Am Yisrael are going to say, there's one place where they're going to say Magen David. You cannot be Magen Avraham, but you'll be Magen David. Because David at the time, when he was being insulted so terribly, he was able to restrain himself. At that moment, he became so elevated in the eyes of Hashem that Hashem, at that time, conferred upon him the title Magen David, the shield of David. And so these men, Yosef and David, gained greatness from the quality of being able to tolerate injury and insult. Now the question is, what's so great about the Mida of tolerating insult? It's true that it's a good practice, a good way to live, no question about it. Life is going to continue smoothly and healthfully when you follow this practice. Because if you stop and you take issue and there's a confrontation, then who knows where the end will be. When people appear in divorce court or when people land up in hospitals, in many very cases it began by taking umbrage at a remark, an insult, or a criticism. So you'll be more successful if you learn to ignore such things. You might save your life too. You're walking down the street and someone says to you, dirty so-and-so. As far as you are concerned, you didn't hear it. Because suppose you do hear it and suppose you turn around and you bristle. Then you're in for it. Here's a young yeshiva man, 19 years old. I knew him. It was Hamish Asar B'Shvat. And he was taking some boys from a yeshiva katana out to a certain stadium, Madison Square Garden, for an outing. As they got out of their station wagon, and they're going under his supervision to the entrance, which is some blocks away, two shkotzim, two vicious goyim, are standing there, and they're insulting the group of boys. The boys are wearing yarmulkes, and the goyim are calling them filthy anti-Semitic names. Now, the ordeal wouldn't have lasted long, because the goyim wouldn't bother following them. They're too lazy for that. Troublemakers, loudmouths, are usually especially lazy. And so, in perhaps two minutes... They would have been out of earshot and the entire episode would have been forgotten. But this Bachar, because he was a leader of the boys and he thought that the boys looked up to him for leadership, so he retorted. He answered back the Goyim. So the Goyim became even more abusive and there became an altercation. And one Goy went back to the car where he had his tools and took out a hammer and he struck this yeshiva boy over the head and he murdered him. And so this humility is worthwhile. Wise people even if they're not trying to perfect their character in the service of Hashem. But they know that if you want to remain alive or you want to remain in business, so you must restrain your anger at the insults. When the customer comes into the grocery store with all types of complaints and insults, even though you would prefer to chase the annoying customer out of the store, but you know that tomorrow they'll come back with their food stamp money from the government and they'll buy all types of nasherai from you. 
so it pays to ignore. It pays in this world. And all that is very good. Wonderful. We want successful businessmen. We want to live in peace with our spouses and our neighbors. We want to live long lives without getting beaten up by shkotzim. That's also part of living successfully. But it's not everything. We see from the stories of Yosef and David that we're talking about now something much bigger than that. Yosef was so purified that he went on to become the leader of the Am Yisrael for 80 years. Never again did we have a leader chosen by Hashem to lead the nation for such a long period of time. And David became the fourth Merkava. His great ambition to be great like the others was realized because of this little incident. And that's a question we have to answer. What's so great about keeping quiet in the face of insults that it should accomplish such levels of greatness? Now we won't be able to cover the subject in its entirety, but we'll give one answer now that is absolutely true. One of the greatest achievements a person can make in this world is to be like Hashem, to emulate Him. That's why, if you're looking for a ticket to greatness, a path to perfection, then v'halach bidrochov to walk in His ways, that's it. And that's how these great men, Yosef HaTzadik and David HaMelech and others like them, achieved their greatness. They practiced emulating Hashem in their lives. Now we're going to see what it means that they emulated HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How does tolerating insult and remaining quiet in the face of calumnies mean that you're emulating Hashem? There's a sefer called Toimer Devoida, a famous sefer written about 400 years ago by Rav Moshe Kordevero. And he speaks about this mitzvah of emulating the ways of Hashem. Now, among other things, he speaks there about the quality of tolerating insult. He quotes what the Navi says about Hashem. Mi kel kamocha. Who is there a strong God like you? What does it mean, a strong God? The Torah of the Vayda says like this. Strength means the strength to bear insult. That's a strong God. And he explains there that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a king who is constantly suffering the insults of mankind beyond what our imagination can contain. People are constantly sinning against him, and he continues to bear it. There is nothing that's concealed from HaKadosh Baruch Hu's view. He sees everything, and there is no moment that a man isn't fed and supported from the power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that bestows upon him the ability to function. Because man, every living thing, has hundreds of thousands of functions that are performed by miracles. When you study them, it's remarkable. And you see it's the word of Hashem that keeps life going. If a man dies, even though he's intact, all his organs are intact. Nobody can give him life again. All the scientists of the world cannot recreate life. Once he's dead, it's forever. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that maintains life. Now that means that when people sin, in that moment that they're committing the sin, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showering upon them the blessings of life. Any man who walks out in the street on Shabbos, in the Rishul Sarabim, carrying a newspaper, as soon as he walks out of the door, he makes an Akira V'anacha. He should drop dead. That's what he deserves. He deserves to fall down the steps. That's Sekila. Carrying on Shabbos is of Sekila. He should fall down and drop dead. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu bears it. He waits. He gives him a chance. Ad yom moiso He gives him a lot of chances. 
Not only he waits, but he's helping him perform the sin. HaKadosh Baruch Hu at that moment, that a man is committing the sin, at that very moment, that he's raising his hand to his mouth to eat something forbidden, let's say, or he's going to hit somebody with his hand. In that moment, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showering upon the man the blessing of strength and good health. He's even helping him to do it. Don't we see that the atheists are still able to eat? They don't get immediate obstruction of the intestines like they deserve. They're still able to see. They are not stricken blind like they deserve. They continue to enjoy the gifts of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Not only the atheists. Don't we look in places that we shouldn't? Why shouldn't HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Chas v'shalom, remove from us the ability to see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving us every second? Don't we use all the gifts of life, sometimes to sin, but no, HaKadosh Baruch Hu still performs for people all the miracles of life, despite what they're doing against him. It means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is demonstrating all the time his power, his power of ignoring insults. And so we see that's a midah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to tolerate reproach, calumny, slander, and insult. Now that man is actually slapping HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the face by rebelling against him. But Hashem is a melech ne'elav. He's a king that allows himself to tolerate insult, and therefore he remains quiet and even aids the people who are rebelling against him in the moment of their revolt. HaKadosh Baruch Hu continues to confer all benefits, even upon evil men who rebel against him openly. And because our great men studied that example, they were humbled. Yosef kept his mouth closed. David said, don't do anything to bear insult with silence. That's a tremendous way of emulating HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now to emulate Hashem in such a fashion requires not only that you saw this in the Toymer Udvayda, or that you heard someone speaking about it. That's important, to spend time thinking about Hashem's Midas so that we can emulate them. But if in the heat of the moment, while someone is pouring complaints and insults upon your head, we forget about Hashem, so it's for naught. You know, you prepare for such a thing then maybe you can do it too. Certainly. If they'll tell you, Mr. Chaim so-and-so, you have to know, as you leave your home after breakfast to go to your office tomorrow morning, there's a fellow who's going to accost you on the street and he'll throw dirt on you and he will belittle you and slander you. And you should know, it's a big opportunity to get Oilam Haba. So what are you going to do the night before? You'll take out Nesilis Yisharim and you'll sit down and study the words. You'll find the section on Anava, and you'll study for an hour or for two hours, three hours. And then tomorrow, when you set out after breakfast, you're gritting your teeth. You're pushing your fingernails into your flesh to restrain your anger. And here comes this mean fellow, and he's heaving dirt on your head. You flush. You turn white. You're full of anger. But two hours of Mesil Hishalem, three hours, had some effect on you. And so you pass by. Maybe you think in your heart, it would be a good idea if he dropped dead. But at least you passed that one-time test. But to live that way all the time, it's too unpredictable. It's impossible unless you remember that you are standing in front of Hashem. Such a thing requires an awareness of Hashem all the time. An awareness that he's giving you and giving you more and giving you more. No matter how much you insult him by means of your sins. Now, besides for an awareness, you should daven for it too, for help to achieve this. You have to know that every day that we pray in davening, we say, To those who curse me or belittle me, 
my soul should remain solid. And my soul should be like dust to everybody. Dust is trampled on. And you pray for it. You pray every day that you should gain that quality, that people should be able to trample on you and you shouldn't react. Now, when a person begins to think with such a pattern, so he's preparing himself for emulating Hashem, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is soivel elbon like that, so I'm going to be like him too. That's how I will achieve perfection in this world. That's how Yosef HaTzadik achieves greatness. That's how David did it. And like them, I'm going to walk in the ways of Hashem and achieve greatness in my own little life. And then you are prepared. If at breakfast, let's say tomorrow morning, your wife says a word to you and it's an opportunity to blow up, but you restrain yourself. You cannot know. It could be that a golden throne in Gan Eden is being prepared for you just for that. Don't say, I will ignore such pikayun, such unimportant little opportunities. I want big opportunities. If they'll want to take my life for a Kiddush Hashem, I will mount the scaffold and I will proclaim Shema Israel. I'm ready to die for Kiddush Hashem. Or I'm ready to sit in the Beis HaMedrish. I'll be memes atzmo be'ohel shel toida. Big things, but little things like not to answer back. That's not important. Oh no. Yosef knew that. This is what is important. David knew that. It wasn't little at all. They were justified in answering back. The halacha permitted them to answer back. But because of the perfection of the neshama, they didn't. And that's one of the important lessons that we have to think about when we read this week's Sedra. A man or woman who practices this avoidus Hashem of grinning and bearing it, that person is walking in the ways of Yosef HaTzadik and David HaMelech. And most importantly, he or she is walking in the ways of Hashem. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Learning to tolerate. As we make our way through life, we suffer from insults, small and big, all the time. This week, I will look out for these opportunities and make sure to ignore them completely, to not get upset at all. And even more, I will train myself to make believe nothing at all happened. And I will continue to behave with the person who insulted me as if nothing happened. In order to practice up on the Mida of me, Kel, Kamocha. Who is there a strong God like you who tolerates insult? In order to be prepared for whatever comes my way, every day at the end of Shemona Esrei, I will believe that pause for 30 seconds by the words, and plan ahead. And towards anyone who might make me feel hurt or slighted today, I will remain silent without reacting at all.